With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
347-273-845-277-9143. When you're ready with your question, comment, or request, please do press the number one on your telephone keypad. I'll be more than happy to unmute your mic as I just unmuted my own mic. So please forgive me, Blog Talk, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, if you're in YouTube Live, you, you've heard everything. If you're in Blog Talk Radio, a great deal of that was muted. It is not your phone. It is not your computer. Blog Talk Radio, for once, it's not your fault. Um, I was actually muted in Blog Talk Radio. But you can call me now at 845-277-9143 with your questions, comments, and or requests. I, I want to talk a little bit more about winter solstice. I'm going to respond to my live chat in both platforms. Uh, and of course, I want to entertain your questions, your comments, and your requests. And then I'm going to move it forward. Um, I'm getting ready, getting prepared for uh, another opportunity to create and leave an archaeological footprint for us who are, are seekers, but also active in voodoo worldwide and the revival of authentic voodoo, but also for the generations that come behind us. Uh, and not just our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and nephews, whether they accept this as their lifestyle or not, whether they embrace this as their tradition or not. I'm talking about leaving a footprint of information that was not readily available to the child born in 
as we continue to live under various governments and various systems and, and various motivations that extend beyond the realm of spirituality and religion. There is indeed a pure place in spirituality and religion, whatever your religion is, whatever your spiritual path is. There's a place in that that is light, that is clear like quartz, that is vibrating in, in an absoluteness that is positive. But there's also that which is in the realm of commercial, in the realm of retail, in the realm of entertainment, in the realm of creativity, and in a world that's getting smaller by way of travel and, and technology, the the opportunities for people to use their creativity in a way that can then appropriate tradition is, is much more readily available than, than, say, 200 years ago or 500 years ago or, or even in more recent modern times um, predating the Internet. Um, greetings, everyone. I, I know I tend to talk and talk. I appreciate, as Kiona has done, if you would put your questions, comments, and requests that you wish me to respond to in all capital letters so that I can uh, see them and separate them from uh, other um, uh, questions within the chat. Greetings, Wapani. That's my sister, Wapani, y'all, if y'all don't know. <laughs> She's also world-renowned. She's also an author uh, who's written uh, more than one book, uh, and I invite you to uh, Google and look up Wapani and, and search out some of her work. But that's a great um, question. Uh, cleansing is a great word, and, and cleansing, particularly your clear quartz and your um, denser stones, your your hematites and your jaspers and your lapis lazuli, um, you know, those are your denser stones, stones that light does not readily pass through. You're going to cleanse these stones, Dalmatian um, agate. You want to cleanse these stones much more often. You also want to cleanse stones that you utilize in doing work a little bit more often. Uh, but in terms of the winter solstice, based on sort of the, the platform I just laid out, there's an energy that's present during winter solstice, even if you are not gaining access to the light. Because understand, in the northern hemisphere, in the, in the regions of, of the world that acknowledge the winter solstice, um, we're not always getting light. You're not getting a whole lot of light in the region of the world where you are right now. Um, you got snow, you got fog, you got clouds, you got moisture and water and density that is now reflect refracting the light, breaking up direct sunlight as we interpret it, as we view it, uh, let's say, in the broad of day in, in summer, you know, in, in spring, on a clear day, uh, even on a winter day when, when there's no clouds and things are a bit clear. So uh, as we shared earlier in the text, there's more of an energetic thing that's also happening during winter solstice that I think is not being as acknowledged as the idea of winter solstice somehow being just rooted in the increase or the decrease of sunlight, though that's a critical point of it. 
Uh, the decrease of sunlight creates all sorts of chemical and, and hormonal changes within the human body uh, that don't often get recognized. Now, it's more common now. Um, you see commercials and you see pop cultural references from pharmaceutical companies and, and, and various um, other industries in the uh, health uh, industry that are now, you know, referencing the idea that people might be feeling uh, low, might be feeling depressed, might be feeling emotional, uh, and we then attribute that to one general thing, well, it's the lack of light. Or we attribute it to, to one other general idea, and that is the idea of holidays and sort of the artificial energy and attachments that we have in the West as it relates to these holidays. Let's be clear. The ceremonies of Asia and, and South America and the indigenous peoples of the world and, and Africa have its root in something older than commercialism. There's something older than the buying of gifts, wearing your most flashiest clothes, you know, throwing your most lavish parties. Uh, those seasonal holidays that are in line with nature, that are in line with the sky, that are in line with this energy already have a root in something outside of the artificial. We've now piled up the artificial on top of these so-called holidays, whether it be Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Mardi Gras, et cetera, et cetera. I said et cetera while thinking celebration at the same time because that was what I was going to say next, that we focus on the celebration, particularly in the West. How much can you buy? How much can you spend? What does it look like? What does it present like? Even if you're on the cheaper end of the budget, even if you're, you know, on the practical end of the budget, you're still concerned about, to some degree, you know, what does my, my house look like to the neighbors? Or what does my house look like to myself or, or to my family who's coming over for, for the holidays? And then there's all this other energy that's operating that's mixed up in the feng shui that is these pagan holidays. So winter solstice, at a, at a bigger degree, it's not just about light and the decreasing of light and going into a darker, colder uh, time. Even the idea of dark and cold and, and, and vegetation, that doesn't quite make sense to me living in New Orleans. New Orleans is said to be the northernmost Caribbean city in America. New Orleans will be experiencing 80 degree weather today, today, December uh, 2019, the 16th. New Orleans will be 80 degrees. So, uh, I mean, I'm not going to apologize because nature is what it is, but for those of you who are experiencing that colder, darker, denser winter, um, understand our attitude towards winter solstice. When you look at the references to winter solstice, what's written about winter solstice, how the authors are using their words, they're talking about dark, they're talking about cold, they're talking about the shortening of days or the shortening of sunlight within these days. They're talking about your vegetation, your, your tulip bulbs being underground during the coldest uh, parts of the year. They're talking about incubation. They're talking about hibernation. How much sense does that make in the tropical zone? 
How much sense does that make the closer you get to the equator? How much sense does that make south of the equator, who is now sort of going into a spring, and, and, and things are now budding, blooming, fruiting, they've just passed through, you know, uh, one of the two major rainy seasons that occur, you know, throughout the year. And and so that whole idea that we tag on to winter solstice changes. And as many of you know, I often beg you, implore you not to overgeneralize, not to accept many of these books and these authors just on face value. I'm not saying that they're, they're not of value. I'm saying don't accept them just on face value. Understand what you're reading. And the less you know about your, what you're reading, the common question I get is, what's the best book for me to start with to learn Buddhism? That's like, what's the best book for me to start with to learn chemistry? Or, or what's the best book for me to start with to learn college or university? You're going to have more than one class. You're going to have several books. Some of those classes are going to have three, four books, five books, depending on what it is that you're studying, what it is that you're attempting to understand. So it's, um, it's no different than going into the grocery store. You know, some of you read labels and you read it down to the fine print. Uh, some of you sort of scan what's necessary and you keep it moving. Others have sort of an idea of what you want. You've gotten used to certain things. You grab certain things by attraction. Advertisers know this. They push those things to the end of the aisle. They push those things to the front of the row. You know, those impulse items, the things that are right at the checkout, impulse items. And so we can't carry that mindset. Our mindset has to be renewed when we go into what is spirituality and religion. And many of us are studying Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, voodoo, uh, Kemetic, uh, Hekka, um, uh, Mayan, Aztec uh, science and art, etc. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're talking about indigenous mindset. So you have to meditate. That's a meditation unto itself. And, and first imagine, what was the weather? What was the geology? What was the politic of the land? You know, what was going on in, in the environment in which these traditions were then birthed, created, and then carried forward? Um, I, um, myself, as well as my sister Wapani, and many others are sort of upset to some degree with the whole alien technology thing. Um, and so there's a great deal of information that's covered in, in those programming ideas that uh, mirror some of these ideas that, that we've had for years and that have been present in, in voodoo, magic, and many of the world rituals, spiritual practices um, for centuries without any hardcore uh, scientific uh, validation to support it in any way. So the idea of energy and how energy is dispersed in the universe, where's my mouse, how uh, energy affects us, at any given day or, or hour or season within our reality is important when passing many of these, um, these uh, general practices on and, and maintaining the general generic nature of them, like horoscopes, without really understanding what astrology is and astronomy is and understanding the nature of the sky, 
Um, Marvin the Magi, greetings. Greetings, um, Kazia, Kalur, greetings, um, everyone who I might not have recognized um, individually. Helen, Austin, Davis, greetings to everyone. Please type and write your questions in all capitals so that I spend less time leaning in <laughs> trying to figure out um, who said what. Um, Wapani, please hit me up again if I need to say more. Um, being chosen on the path is a great way to humble yourself in spirit, Kiona. And I like the way you said that. We often view our spirit path as something that we sort of control, that we sort of create and recreate, that we sort of dominate. And there's a relative truth to that. But in order for any of it to work, you have to humble yourself first to what you don't know, to what you don't understand, and and allow spirit truly to lead you, to guide you, to demonstrate. And and, and we often hear the, the quote, um, when the student is ready, the prophet comes, and variations of that quote. Um, but indeed, even in our choosing, you know, to be vegan or vegetarian, choosing to meditate more, choosing to take out more time for, for yoga or for ourselves or to work with our crystals or to spend time with our shrine work and our altar work, there's still a humbling to spirit and being chosen by spirit for certain degrees of knowledge and understanding. I think many of the myths that we hear around secret orders, around magic, um, around ritual, speak to a greater truth. And, and I believe that truth is, is that the divine creator, God, uh, however that, who, whoever that might be, uh, the aliens who created humanity, who, whoever that might be, uh, I believe has and is actively preventing us from utilizing uh, certain power, certain knowledge, certain information in a way that could go beyond just harming ourselves, but quite possibly harm humanity, uh, harm the planet. Uh, I believe there's been intercessions to keep man from wiping himself off the, off this rock. If there indeed is a higher power, if there indeed is a higher humanity, a higher civilization out there, I, I believe that they would also be not only manipulating humanity to sort of grow and evolve to, to some desired uh, point, but also to prevent us from, from destroying ourselves if indeed we are an experiment of, of some kind uh, created by higher evolved um, I can't say humanoid, I can't say what they would be, but higher evolved uh, beings from another place. And I'm not necessarily talking supernatural, something from another planet with a longer history, with a, with a higher degreed uh, evolutionary process would show up as supernatural. And this is something that the uh, alien theorists um, present in these programmings that me and, and Wapani and Keona and some of the others in the group like like to watch and, and like to uh, study with. Um, Helen, uh, you're asking me to elaborate on how crystals are used within Buddhism. That's a great question. Um, crystals and stones 
and I'm closing my eyes because I'm trying to be diplomatic here and find my words. I don't want to violate any of the sacred trust of any of these traditions that you have to initiate to get into. So that hence my being diplomatic. Um, just for a quick reference, um, the Kaaba in Mecca has this black stone in it. Uh, that's said to be sacred. Some people say it has magical powers. Some say it has healing powers. Some say it has supernatural powers. Uh, there is uh, uh, bodies of water in the Mediterranean and in hot uh, hot springs in the U.S. and in other parts of the world that are said to have healing properties. Some would say they have magical properties. So the idea of stones, crystals, minerals, geological uh, uh, rocks, just to stay on target with your, your question about crystals, it's not new. It, it is ancient as many of these traditions. Um, there are secrets embedded in many of these traditions that involve the usage of these stones. Um, in Ifa, for instance, in Santeria, in Lukomi, um, in Palo, um, they have a name, they have a unique usage, um, and I'm not going into a great deal of detail because not only do I have people that are here to learn, but also I have here, people here who are here to appropriate. And tomorrow you'll see a cute picture on their Instagram trying to mimic something that I'm describing that is otherwise really only known to people who are a part of um, certain aspects of those initiatory processes. Um, now, in voodoo, Haitian voodoo, you don't see the usage of stones as much. You don't see the usage of minerals as much. You see a lot of digging into the ground, burying into the ground, ceremonies being held in natural places like swamps, streams, waterfalls, mountains, cemetery. Uh, your, your crop area or your vegetative area, but you don't see to the degree that you see in West Africa and to the degree that you see in, in voodoo as it shows up in, in the Americas, the usage of stones and minerals. I've talked about this on previous uh, shows, and, and, and you may not have heard this before, Helen, and many of you may not have heard this before. Uh, there is an archaeological research project that's been going on on the East Coast um, for almost 20 years now, researching the burial grounds, the living quarters, the uh, work areas, the activity areas of enslaved Africans, um, the Gullah Geechee, and many other ethnic groups from the Virginia, uh, Maryland uh, area down into the Carolinas, uh, and, of course, northern Florida, uh, and, and, of course, Georgia. And what they are discovering is a pattern, a pattern of a pile of stones, rocks. And, 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 and I'm going to make a digression for clarity. You walk over crystals every day. They're in your driveway. They're in your, your landscaping. They're in the ground. Uh, depending on where you live and, and to what degree you allow your kids to dig up the yard. Um, I dug up the yard when I was a kid. 
okay? Um, so I, I've, I've seen Micah in the ground. I've seen Rose Quartz in the ground. I've seen uh, Blue Stones in the ground in Maryland, in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, uh, which, which has very Jurassic-based roots, by the way, if you didn't know that. Um, so the idea that there wouldn't have been, okay, so maybe there wouldn't have been stuff like this readily laying on the ground, but it's in the ground. And if it's washed down river, it's been tumbled, it's been polished, it's, it's, it's caked in mud. Uh, many of you walk over gold, silver, copper every day. And I'm talking about in the city every day. And you don't know it, you don't see it because, one, we identify the ground as being dirty. And often these pieces are dirty, walked over, stepped on, bruised, caked in something. Uh, so they're not necessarily shining brilliantly or maybe only a portion of it is shining brilliantly which catches your eye in the first place so the idea of having access to naturally polished or tumbled or rough hewn stones is just not something that has been well documented and or recorded and so in this 20 year project they've been finding piles of white objects white stones white rocks um clay, uh, bone, bleached out objects, typically in a pile, typically in the northeastern corner of the hearth, where the fire is, where the cast iron is, or in the northeast corner of the living quarter. Uh, and, and we understand often the quarter would have been just one house, uh, and, and it would have been a hearth, or a hearth would have been in a separate house, and many families would have shared that hearth in order to cook uh, food, but, but you would have had some degree of fire um, or some type of firing uh, pit or hearth built in any house in order to keep your slaves from freezing uh, during the course of the winter. So the idea that we would not have access to, that, that we wouldn't have been able to walk into a rock shop, uh, a botanica um, is absolutely uh, not in the realm of possibility. But the idea that we would have had access to, would have been able to find, would have been able to uncover in doing the work of tilling the field, of uh, working in the field, of, of doing other chores and or hard labor that, you know, people would not have necessarily been overseeing uh, to, to, to a great degree that would have allowed you to hide something, to tuck something away. Um, even the idea that uh, the enslaved would have had access to gold or silver, trinkets. When you're in a lifestyle where you're forced to move, where you don't know if you're going to be here forever, um, and you don't have but a small stash of stuff, um, when we depict uh, Tom Sawyer, for instance, and that whole idea of running away and, and carrying the cane stick you know, and having a little knapsack, you know, of supply on it um, or, or something you throw a sling bag over your shoulder, over your back, uh, and holding on to one or two or five sacred pieces and, and keeping those pieces hidden or buried somewhere uh, would have been some of the tactics we would have had to use in order to hold on to maintain um, any manner of property 
uh, let alone something that could have been viewed as criminal or, or salacious in the hand of an enslaved African, as would any sort of magical uh, non-Christian uh, item would have been. We know that there would have been a time where even the possession of a Bible um, would have been seen as a criminal act um, in a time where we weren't even allowed to to read. Um, the usage of these stones um, mirrors uh, Helen, much of the usages that we apply to them today, and that is charging, storing of energy, the storing of a power, um, the creation of some sort of uh, ritual, spell, action, and, and having it marked in upon and with a stone um, would have been something that would have been easier to hide and, and to mask and, and to bury away. Um, to prevent um, exposure. But there definitely would have been uh, uh, usage, applied usage of stones, rocks, uh, minerals. And even when you look at hoodoo, root work, conjure, now we're looking at the breaking up and, and powdering down of substances in order to create other things, in order to create satchels um, and, and packets that that have a healing purpose, have a protective purpose, have a magical purpose. Um, and, and indeed, you know, I'm trying now not to be profane. Um, women have, have, have always had a cycle, okay, even an enslaved woman. Um, so the massa, to some degree, would not have been involved in that process, uh, would have left that up to the, to the, uh, uh, the other women to handle. And so, you know, you would have had, they didn't have Kotex, they didn't have pads, they didn't have tampons. You know, you had to create those, you had to make those. So the idea also that you could have hidden something away on you of value is just not that out of the realm of possibility. Um, and then, of course, since I've already gone there, of the application of, of body fluid as it now shows up in, in many texts that uh, um, claim to reference hoodoo, root work, conjure, um, also gives us some notion that uh, when did, I'll ask the questions, when did that practice begin? When, when were those practices first noted? The yoni egg phenomenon. Where did that come from, and and how safe is that? If you don't really understand minerals and stones, how safe is that? How many of you really understand how many stones are dyed at the at the crystal fair, at the crystal shop, and would you know the difference? But you're inserting that in, into your body, and we're talking about a time. Um, Helen, where there was no doctors, no nurses, there was only doulas, midwives, um, the the uh, traitors, and the practitioners um, within our community, within our family, that did the healing work. And if they were reputable, if they were known to 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 be beneficial, um, even Massa and Massa's family would often access 
uh, these great women and these great men to utilize minerals, stones, um, herbs, um, potions, concoctions, um, and, and styles and apply them in order to draw things out. A hematite, for instance, would have been used to to address issues of the kidney, issues of the blood, to to draw things out and to create coolness if someone is, is having fever or, or is experiencing inflammation. Uh, some of these minerals give off different or, or varying degrees of temperature, uh, of, of heat and coolness. And so this is something that a root worker, a conjurer, a hoodoo practitioner would have to understand. Um, it, it's more than how spell work is often depicted um, in, in many modern books, almost like a, something poetic, um, something that sounds good or, or smells great or, 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 or the idea of it, you know, sounds like it feeds, you know. And there's a comedic ancient Egyptian magical uh, a law about the the application of something to one thing and it being being conferred on the other, or uh, for instance, the idea of a fetish um, and and what we do to the fetish, what we apply to the fetish. Uh, for instance, Ibg, the divine twin, and so the the mother who loses uh, one of the twins, one of the twins gets sick and passes away, and so and Ibg replaces. The, de- the deceased child, and what is done to the living child must be done to the Ibeji. What is offered to the living child must be offered to the Ibeji. Or it is said that the Ibeji, the Egun, the deceased ancestor, could then create negative complications um, in, in the real world. So, so that's one form of magic. But when we talk about crystal, mineral, stone, now we're talking about something that is a little bit more energetic. And it's now been scientifically demonstrated. This very computer operates because of the power of quartz crystal, silicon dioxide, and its application in in computer technology. Some people would say that that's ancient. Some people would say that that's alien. Some people would say, how did we jump from, you know, the the crystal radio, some of you don't know that the old radios were, were called crystal radios because they operated with quartz technology. So so quartz, Helen, and anyone else who's hearing my response to Helen's question, um, and, and other mineral applications is not new. It's just a little bit more refined in in a modern context with what we know and how we use it today. But the idea of crystals in voodoo um, is as old as voodoo, voodoo itself. Um, and imagine living in, in West Africa where there are gold mines and, and uh, various minerals and gemstones present that the West has now come and the, and the East has now come to exploit uh, and, and just imagine that in a more natural context, in a more organic environment. We know ancient civilizations, um, such as in Ghana, that 
lived on, that had their reputation on on gold and the harvesting of gold and, and, and other minerals. So we know that if they were harvesting gold, then they were also encountering other minerals in the process. And so we think of in, in a European or Western context, those gems ending up in the crown jewels, for instance, ending up in the scepters and the and the fine wares of the royal family and, and, and the great leader. And, and, and indeed, we see that also with with great kings and queens and rulers of, of Africa. But we've also would, would have seen the acquiring, the maintenance, and the harboring of gemstones by your healers and your magical practitioners, both for payment but also for application. Uh, even when we look at our idea of, of payment now, a, a donation, a fee, an offering, a payment uh, for a reading or a service or, or an initiation, in an old world context, would have been conducted with cowrie shells, would have been conducted with produce, would have been conducted with meat, would have been conducted with gemstone, would have been conducted with, with earth and with, with clay. Uh, the red clay that is often used ritually to paint and decorate in, in various ethnic groups and in various tribes has a value. I believe it's called ochre or red ochre. And so that has a value. So it all had a more natural or more organic, almost like we started this conversation out about holidays, a more organic, spiritual, grassroots, usable reasoning and interpretation. And now today we've put retail on it, value on it, dollar value on it, commercial value on it, you know, branding on it. And, and it changes what should be spiritual into something a little bit more contaminated, <laughs> I might say. I really appreciate you all's questions. You all are really bringing great questions. Um, yeah, the next full moon will fall um, right after winter solstice. Um, no, um, it depends on what you're doing, Kiona, by using the, uh, as I was trying to uh, share with my sister, the full moon itself has an energy. The moon has an energy in every cycle because they don't disappear just because they're not present. Just the degree of energy, the strength of the light is altered, and it's most visible with the moon. But, but it's also demonstrated by every other body in the hemisphere that's moving around us. And, and, and that's a great point for me to make, too, by the way, because we operate in much the same way. Other people, family, friends, your job, your community, your environment is also moving around us. We are also interacting with it, much in the way that we identify astrology, sky watching, um, and then these ritual practices. So, yeah, the, the moon energy has its particular energy. The sun has its particular energy. But if we're talking about the winter solstice, uh, again, which is often rooted in the sun and the movement and the strength of the sun, but is often overlooked for the 
electro in um electromatic what's the word I'm looking for? Um energetic um effects that it too has on both the planet, our polarities, um, our technology and each other. We know that sunspots, for instance, can fry our technology, can affect how our computers and our cell phones work. Um, so there's a, a energy frequency shifting that's also happening during the winter solstice, the equinox pointing. It's about the tilting and the movement of the planet, which affects gravity, polarity. Uh, my sister uh, Wapani brought up the point that our electro, uh, electromagnetic um, polarity is, is shifting. So your compass point is actually moving. Your true north versus your, your due north is shifting. And that, too, affects our energy. So I don't think you should wait. I think they both have different reasons to be acknowledged, different points of, of light and energy to be um, acknowledged. So if you're, you're true about your stuff, um, I would acknowledge it, it all. Uh, even when I talk about journaling, I say don't just keep a dream journal. Write about everything, where the planets are, when the eclipses happen. Um, what, what might be happening in your world at any, any given or particular time. So the more serious you are about connecting with spirit, connecting with nature, connecting with the energy of the universe, and, and begin to acknowledge that we are more than just earth. We are also stardust. So there's a point of beginning, founding your grounding, sitting on the ground, standing on the ground, pelvis on the ground, feet on the ground, first chakra, lotus position. There's a point of centering wherever you are in a point of time and place. Even when we consider what time is, which occupies just one dimension unto itself, time. But time is only relevant to place. Once a person, place, or a thing moves, time has, has shifted. Even even if it's two eleven there and two eleven here, even if it's twelve, uh, if it's one oh six there and and one oh six here, it, it, it might be one oh seven where you are, it might be one oh nine where you are, depending on where you are in the planet, and where you are in the universe. So we've got to take more of a global cosmic um, inner vision of our world. Even as we do these moon rituals, these um, equinoxes, these solstice um, rituals, it, it's absolutely so much more to it than just light. I also believe that it's also about doorways being opened, portals being opened. Uh, there's an ancient understanding that not only are we receiving sort of this different shifting of energy and vibration and light, that can then be utilized in voodoo to not only empower loas, deities, spirits, what is not as present in Haitian voodoo as is in West African voodoo is the stories, what in Europe is known as oriki. 
that talk about the creation of life, the creation of Orisha, the creation of, of power. And so you begin to see these deities, Loa, Orisha, Voodoo's, uh, as being more of something from the sky. Um, and so we're talking about something that is, that is either alien um, in nature or, or, or indeed supernatural in nature or, or something that is misunderstood as supernatural, but it's really just some otherworldly technology or some otherworldly uh, demonstration of, of, of knowledge and, and the laws of the universe um, that exceeds what we have evolved to um, on this planet. So a part of why we do the moon ritual and the solstice and the winter solstice and the equinox is not just to ground and, and center ourselves in life and on earth and, and, and in crop growth and in fertility and in all the things that we pass through this human cipher, but it's also for the upper part of the pyramid or the triangle, and that is for the evolution. You can also look at that as a six-pointed star with one triangle going up and the other uh, uh, pointing pointing down. As it is above, so shall it be below. So, so it's not just about earth and production of earth and maintaining earth and maintaining life on earth, but it should also be about growth and evolution. So it's really hard to separate celebrating full moon and, 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 and not celebrating winter solstice, not celebrating equinoxes, not celebrating um, um, eclipses, not celebrating other dynamic shifts in, in the sky, um, Mercury retrograde um, in the, in, and the like. Uh, it would almost be like just focusing on vitamin D and vitamin E and vitamin C and nothing else. Okay, so um, yeah, I support you, Kiona, in your endeavors, uh, and I support you in in doing both, um, in activating all that cosmic energy that that is indeed why we're here. Ziggy uh, Marley said it best: it's, it's cosmic. It's more than Mother Father Earth. It's, it's more than Creator of, of Creator God of this ground, uh, but it's also about us being literally in, in the womb, if you will, of the cosmos, um, looking at the earth as being this pregnant belly of, of a greater universe. Uh, and somebody out there listening to me is going to paint that. Marcus, paint that. <laughs> the pregnant belly is earth, but then the, the Milky Way and, and the sky and the universe, you know, is indeed the great spirit, the great mother, father, earth, the, the, great, the great creator, God that birthed all of us. And, and so our job as God temporarily occupying clay and earth dimensional law is to elevate energy to the best of our ability, to manipulate those laws to the best of our ability, to elevate them while we're in this, this temporary form. Obviously for greater power, for greater purpose, for greater reason. Um, and, and it's said to be nirvana in, I believe it's Buddhism, when you can achieve that degree of understanding. Um, and, and it's called a degree. 
because we all are operating at various degrees, at various levels of understanding. We all won't ever be at the same place at the same time. I mean, we, we, we're all coming to do very different work for their various di di different reasons, diverse reasons, from various points of, in our existence. Some of the work that we're doing is to bring balance to that which has already been done. Some of the work that we're doing is indeed to create a foundation for things that happen in the future. Uh, Terminator was a great science fiction demonstration of that concept, the idea of our ability to manipulate time, to step in and out of time, to be able to go back in time to fix something, to bring balance to something that, that we believe has already passed in this present time frame. But Terminator suggests that we move into a future where there's a science, there's a technology that not only brings us here, but then brings us back to the, to the past in order to prevent something from being here so that it does not then give birth to, growth to, manifestation to something that then happens in the future. Now, that's fed to us as entertainment as science fiction, as fantasy, but there's quantum metaphysical truth embedded in that. If you study and understand what string theory is and how it works and the interdimensional plausicity, plasticity of the world that we exist within, then it makes understanding that our past and our present only exist now. It makes that much more easier to understand. Your past and the, and, the, and the future only exists in the now. You can't conceive of it in any other time frame. You can't envision it in any other time frame. We, we have not officially developed the technology for that yet. But it all exists in the right now, in the right now, the past, and the present exists in the right now. Because when we were in the past, we were in that moment. And that was the present. And all we knew was what had already occurred. And so all we could envision was what we could, could imagine. We could not envision often what the true reality was often going to be. There are some of us, it's said to be a, a third of us, can, can see and have glimpses into the future. And, and can make accurate predictions of of the of the future, uh, accurate predictions that that always have to be translated, obviously for some reason. Uh, even when we think of one of the greatest uh, uh, futuristic tellers uh, in the world, uh, much of his technology is being used today, but his ability to uh, tell a future, to tell a truth without doing it in a poetic form, without presenting it in a limerick, um, we didn't get that. So the idea that we create and recreate our reality in the right now is more real than anything that we can imagine, anything that's being taught in school, anything that's being fostered in, in religion and philosophy. And we use crystal and crystal technology, 
both in voodoo but also in other world traditions, stone in order to elevate that energy. Um, it is now believed that even the process of megalithic monumental building, the idea of constructing components or cells of power on top of power in order to create a greater power, not just a, a big monument, not just a huge structure, but also to somehow elevate the energy within that, to elevate the composition of power created within a certain space or structure is really something that mirrors quartz technology. When you understand the lattice structure of quartz, um, when you're doing your research on stones, don't just look for the new age metaphysical meaning. Look at the scientific meaning. Look at the molecular structure of, of crystals. Look at the hardness of, of gemstones. Look at the ability of gemstones to transmit current, transmit energy, transmit power. Um, I even believe and, and, and have found footprint to suggest that the usage of this technology in cultures that predate Lemuria, ancient Egypt, Atlantis, um, uh, also suggests that those cultures were mimicking to some degree on a smaller scale these older, more advanced cultures and civilizations that were using this applied science that we are now, just now, regaining access to, regaining memory of, uh, regaining uh, our ability to use again. Uh, let me check both my chats. Please forgive me for kind of looking around. I got to look at two different platforms. Thank you so much for being present in my Blog Talk radio chat. I see you. I'm, I'm grateful for you being here. When you're ready, just type your question or comment in the chat in all capital letters, and I'll be more than happy to to respond to you. Also know that you can call 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143, and I'll be more than happy to unmute your mic and a answer your questions or comments right here, right now, live on air. I also invite you to type your questions or comments in all capital letters in the YouTube live chat so that I can read them and distinguish them and so that if I don't catch them, um, Nadja or Kiona will catch them and will assist me in, in answering all of your, um, your questions. Um, let's see. Even with... Keona, you're, you're stating, I believe, even with spirituality being the new fad, it, or it being the traditions are private still and not discussed freely out of respect to the houses. Um, that's one reason. That's one reason, and particularly when man gets involved, that's one reason. Um, on the one hand, we're seeing power control, um, usage of knowledge to amass government, land, property. Um, but then even when you extract that 
Bible scripture that says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual principles, I believe it is, in high places. Um, That's where the secrecy and the mystery is being held the most. In terms of those who would seek to control this level of knowledge, but now when we consider that humanity, for instance, might be interfered with or influenced by alien presence, alien technology, um, that's another way of viewing this same question. And so are they aware that we set off atomic bombs? Are they aware that we have nuclear technology? Are, are they aware that we as, as humanity can be petty and jealous and, and backstabbing and greedy and, and, and manipulative? And so are they controlling technology and the access and usage of technology and spiritual science and power for that reason? Or indeed, is it God or the deity or the powers that indeed exist in the spirit realm, both created and, 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 and not created, meaning we as man create jinn, create ghosts, create energy patterns that set up on earth. But we're also affected by some level of power, if not alien, if not God, but some other spirit entities that exist outside our direct realm of control. So it's important to consider that as well when we, when we think about why we don't see miracles, why we don't see, you know, Merlin, why we don't see Osiris and physical embodiment. And, and I've said in previous shows, um, I question that that's even true. I believe that we indeed are still experiencing, if not to a greater degree, experiencing miraculous events, unexplainable events, even as we seem to dumb down as a humanity, our ability to accept that which which we can't explain. But at the same time, the interest in and the vibratory uh, level of humanity is raising to allow not only our ability to see these things more often and more clearly, but also to now get our physical bodies in, into a position where we're able to resonate and vibrate at, at a higher level. There was a time when, when it is said Europe didn't understand germs. We didn't have that knowledge. We didn't have that information. And so people died when they didn't have to die. People died out of just hygiene when they didn't, that didn't have to be the case. So, so now we move into a time when epidemics, pandemics, uh, AIDS, e- Ebola, um, yellow fever is still uh, uh, something. And, and, and we see science now creating medicines, um, applications to address what once would have been viewed as incurable, un- unaddressable, uh, if not supernatural in, in, in origin and cause. So I think at the same time that we are perfecting our bodies and, and 
50 is a new 30 and 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 60 is a new 40 and all that kind of stuff and and we're seeing people who are eating better who are taking better care of their bodies who should now because we have all this technology to take shortcuts in cleaning and cooking and food and 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 crop development and all the things that that even today uh, humanity that that still exists outside the context of what we call civilization. We have we should now have time for our brains to grow, for our brains to develop, for our brains to to have time to focus on deeper concepts, meditation, daydreaming just sitting back and thinking about things in a, in a much more complex way. Science is often um, presented to us, at least up until this point, that, that that's how it has happened, that there's this thing called division of labor that I learned in college when I was studying um, um, Pan-African culture. Whereas as humanity went from hunter-gatherer to settling down somewhere and then learning how to h- harvest larger productions of food, larger uh, harvests of fish, uh, grow and, and begin to manipulate vegetation like maize, like corn, like yams, like other uh, uh, food products, that it then gave us opportunity for greater division of labor. So now people have time to, to create clay pots. People now have time to make jewelry. People now have time to focus on God and spirit and to create the, the tools and the foods and the, and the implements and the, and the practices and the, and the songs necessary for that. That is how science has traditionally presented the vision of labor and this evolutionary process to us. But, but, but now... But even the idea, the notion, whether you believe in alien presence or not, but the idea that ancient cultures indeed have some access to high technology that we still cannot understand, cannot make full sense of, is is critical to what voodoo is and and why I continue to to learn and to study and to claim voodoo uh, as, as more than just my religion, um, but my culture, my lifestyle, my way of thinking, my way of, of viewing the world. Uh, these stories, these fables, these, these myths, these retellings are full of people with great power and great understanding and, and great wisdom. And we have to wonder, is this a reflection of something that indeed existed among humanity and it's now just a faint memory uh, or is it something that we indeed are growing to and, and are developing towards? Sometimes I question if the aliens are not us. Um, in the future, utilizing our own technology, trying to warn us about things that are yet to come. There are just so many ways in which we can view life um, and view humanity and, and, and view our position in the world. And if we don't take these journeys in a healthy environment with a healthy body and mind, 
people get lost. I believe there's an ultimate alternative understanding for mental health. Mental health is not always about people being crazy. Mental health is sometimes about people being caught between more than one world, more than one time space, more than one dimensional reference. Um, and, and that can be triggered by trauma. That can be triggered by genetic anomalies. That can be triggered by uh, tinkering um, and intervention uh, from outside uh, chemicals or forces or, or, or entities. Uh, but that can also be triggered by, you know, recreational drug use. It, it, can, it can be triggered by almost everything except exercising your imagination. Um, and it's one of the, self, the self, uh, selfless and most safest things that we can do is to use our imagination, to go into our dream space, that dark space, and allow our imagination to guide us and allow spirit to show us things that, that might change our perceptions of reality, our beliefs indeed about what the world is and what holds the world together. Uh, electromagnetic, thank you, Rapani. I keep stumbling, stumbling over that word <laughs> throughout the show. Um, electromagnetic, thank you uh, for knowing and understanding and connecting always to where my head is at any given moment. Uh, which chakras are more affected by the solstice, what crystals to wear in correlation. Um, first and foremost, earth. So that would be your first chakra. And that is because, indeed, we are earth. We are clay. We are the multitude of minerals that go into and make up and create earth. But we're also... Wapani, stardust, and 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 nano diamonds, and and gem and minerals that fall from the sky every day in you know microscopic sizes that we don't pay attention to that we don't acknowledge. Um, as I said, I also associate the winter solstice with energy, so things that move the Kundalini forward then move energy up and through all of your chakra systems. Quartz crystal is great for the head and, indeed, all of the body. Uh, but you want to use your denser stones, uh, for instance, tiger iron. Tiger iron is actually three separate minerals, uh, red jasper, your, your golden sort of iridescent um, tiger eye, which, which has a degree of quartz in it, by the way, if you didn't know that. Uh, there's clear quartz embedded in and through tiger eye that actually keeps all those mineral compositions together. Uh, and then there's hematite uh, in this stone. Uh, so these are, you know, stones that we generally would associate with um, first chakra, second chakra, third chakra energy. And of course, fourth chakra your reds, your pinks, your greens, chlorite, jade, malachite, rose quartz, those are your fourth chakra stones. Your fifth chakra stones are your blue stones, 
your uh, blue tourmaline, your um, blue tiger eye, your um, lapis lazuli, your sodalite, your um, turquoise, uh, your um, blue lace agate, um, your blue stones are your fifth chakra stones, your vocal stones, your verbal stones. And even if you aren't speaking, maybe you're trying to quench the inner voice. That's not always positive. That's not always helpful. That's not always useful. You then want to go to your your blue stones for that during the winter solstice. And, of course, for your third eye, um, your double terminated quartz, your Herkimer diamond, um, some of your clearer stones, your amethyst, um, your uh, sapphires that are crystallized as opposed to your denser stones that light doesn't clearly pass through. And and then, of course, your unperfected, I'm sorry, your perfected, unbroken, unpolished, undamaged, your best specimens for your seventh chakra and really all of your head work. And that's another way of looking at how I often talk about buying quartz. You know, if you're making jewelry, you want small stones because they're going to be on your ears or, or, or you need several of something because you're, you're making beaded jewelry or, or, or setting stones into gold or silver. You're going to be on the smaller end of the spectrum. But as you begin to evolve in terms of work, work, so not, you know, healing work, body work, you're going to work with your body stones, your denser stones. But when you get to the heart, your rose quartz, your jasper, now you're getting into precious and semi-precious stones. And then your sixth and your seventh chakra stones can very well be your quartz, your rosemary, but they're going to be your perfected stones. They're not going to be necessarily your polished stones, your tumbled stones, they're not going to be your stones that are carved in the animals and other shapes. Uh, you want pure specimens. Geologists call these specimens. And, and, and though this has a shine to it, this, you know, that light bounces off of this, this stone, much like it does your, your polished quartz. This in my right hand, to your to your left, my right is polished point. Is a polished clear quartz point. This has been rubbed and buffed, so the record. See how the light passes that has been buffed out of the surface. Now, naturally, what's inside is protected. That's one of the reasons they do this to a piece this large. A piece of quartz this large, you're going to want to protect and preserve as much space, inner space, as possible. That's the clear space. Now, the original quartz point was shaped like this, six sides, six windows at, at, the, at the point in various sizes. Some are smaller, some are larger. And then, you know, your point at the top is considered the seventh molecule or the seventh process in making the quartz. But the records, almost like an LP of 45, have been rubbed off of the outside portion of this quartz. This is polished. 
great for meditation, great for third eye work, great for your, your crown chakra and your higher chakras, great for recreative magic, uh, visualized magic, creating things that you want to happen, seeing yourself get the job, seeing yourself have the baby, seeing yourself win the prize, seeing, seeing yourself, you know, create the book. Great for that. But this is unpolished. The records have not been rubbed off. So you see lines there. You see indentations there. Uh, if you could see this, you know, if I had a better camera uh, at a much closer up degree, um, it would look like uh, little DNA, almost like your skin, when your skin is dry and has not had any lotion. <laughs> and you dark and black and chocolate like me, um, you can almost see your skin cells. Um, you could almost see them, the individualness and the lattice pattern after it's been pieced together. So this is big. It, it is clear on the inside, allowing you to see the inner inclusion, but the outside records have been undisturbed. These are also better for, really, I'm going to say from your third chakra up, because you're talking about creating, recreating, building, rebuilding, removing old records, bringing in new, hearing from spirit, hearing from the ancestors, hearing from nature and from the spirit bodies that have had contact with the crystal itself, that record is recorded in the crystal. Now, there's a time that you want to know, for instance, or hear from nature, the environment in which the crystal grew in, was birthed in, because that very thing is a tool, is a skill that the stone applies to you that you then take on. So, for instance, a quartz like this that has a phantom in it. And many of you know what a phantom is. It's almost like the rings of a, of a tree, but it shows up in your quartz as the lines and the angles being completely undamaged, untouched, but now being embedded into the next layer of quartz. And each layer grows on top of that. So a phantom quartz is going to help you in terms of navigating interdimensional space. Timing, going back into time, going back to an event, going back to your childhood, going back to, a, to a, a past life, going back to a particular time or place in history. Now, this is advanced meditation. Some of you are just getting to a place where you can just be quiet for five minutes. And I get that, but I'm talking about advanced meditation. And, and so you have to buy better stones. You have to now if you can acquire a better stone, great. If you're willing to go to Arkansas and, and they have tours that allow you to go out and and dig up and, and mine stones, they they will have done some of the work for you. Uh, they've gone into these caves or they've dug out huge chunks of, of red clay embedded with quartz and, and other stones and they allow you to come and sort of harvest your own stuff. And so yeah, you can do that. Uh but if you're going to keep doing that and keep 
going to the store and keep advancing in terms of wanting to really grow, you've got to get a better understanding of what these tools are, and then I'll have to spend less time on talking about how much they cost and and why and, and helping you all to navigate that. Avoid the dollar, the $5 basket, unless you got a specific purpose. If you're really trying to buy a first crystal, buy a new crystal, buy a crystal because you're really trying to do some kind of real advanced work, you want something that fits in your hand, this is unpolished. This is uncut. This is natural. This has all of, it, all of its records, and it fits right in your hand. And sometimes even in the fitting in your hand, it'll fit in your hand a particular way, and it'll tell you whether the stone is receiving or projecting. A double terminator does both. So one end is going to be designed more specifically to receive. It's also going to be often going to be more even, evenly dispersed in terms of sizing and window. It's often going to be just a little bit thicker. Your projective end is often going to be narrow. It's often going to have a very defined point or two on it. This also has a lock configuration. Papa Legba loves this stone. Eshu loves this stone. There's a crossroads mathematically at the atomic level right at the center of this stone. In, in crystal science, it's called the axis. The axis, A X I S, and Papa Legba stands at the crossroads. The ax, the axis of a thing. Uh, it also has a key configuration, and, and Papa Legba likes keys. This is a issue today, by the way. Uh, if y'all didn't already know, if you don't already uh, understand, Papa Legba. One of his signs, his symbols is, is the skeleton key. And so this key is called key course. It's in a key configuration. It opens doors, opens gateways, opens portals. So, Wapani, I don't think you can, can do um, a winter solstice without clear courts. And your best clear courts, your master courts, we call it, your tumble quartz, your polished quartz, your common quartz pieces, those are just that, common. In terms of tools, we have pieces that are called master quartz. This is a master tabbing because of its size, its clarity, um, and the intricate characteristics of any particular piece. This is a laser wand that has double terminated tabular quartz embedded in the termination, going in all four directions. Papa Labor like this piece, too. <laughs> so those are considered master quartz. This is a master quartz. This has to weigh at least uh, 12, 12 pounds, maybe 15 pounds. This is a twin, master twin. Even its age, if you could see the lattice work, the patchwork at, at the level, almost like an elephant skin, and how the, the molecules and the atoms come together 
to create the court from the inside out. It also is included with other minerals, but the hue and the tone of this crystal, which is really hard for me to explain. Uh, scientifically, it's said often that these clearer crystals are younger, form faster, and so therefore don't stand the ground long enough to get sort of the tint and age that this piece has on it. And this piece is from Tibet, by the way. This is Tibetan quartz, master twin. So this is more than just love and relationship. This is me doing love and relationship work for many people <laughs> all the time uh, without, without ceasing. So you've got to be willing to invest in some really good pieces to really do some 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 quantum metaphysical healing, magical work first within, to alter to to alter your energy, your frequently, your frequency, and the winter solstice um, wapani um, is great for gathering, charging your stones, your crystals, with an energy that will not be present any other time uh, of the year. Uh, the sun will continue to move, the planet will continue to move, and the poles and the polarity will continue to move. Your courts have the unique ability of storing that energy for any given time, saving that up for for any given time. Uh, uh, Keona, what questions am I missing? Um, okay, I, I got the which chakras are affected. All chakras are affected. Um, all crystals to wear in correlation with the chakra system and particularly the chakra system or the chakra uh, location that you might be focusing on at any given time. Um, Consuming sugar light. Who said that? Um... Kazia Kalor, I see your question. I, I'll be back. Give me a second. Um, who asked about consuming sugar light? Rising Star, what's your take on consuming sugar light water? Okay, okay, sugar light water. Okay. I almost had a, a panic attack. <laughs> okay. Because it, it, it read, what's your take, you know, on, on consuming sugar light? Um, when when Keona uh, transposed it, but you meant sugar like water. I think that's a great idea. Um, again, we have to be careful about our knowledge about stones and minerals, and then in taking them into our body. Um, and, and for sure, my listeners who have problems with their health, on dialysis, kidney problems, cancers, medications. By all means, run these ideas by your doctor. I, I have to give my legal disclaimer. Uh, but sugar light, on the other hand, is scientifically um, provable. Uh, and sugar light draws out contaminants. Um, I have a crystal ball. It's on my front altar right now. That I keep a, um, a, a quartz crystal ball on a tablet of sugar light. 
round organic mis- misshapen tablet about about this size with a little concave space carved into it, and that's why I keep one of my uh, crystal balls. It's a crystal ball that is embedded with um, black tourmaline. And so you may know black tourmaline collects negative energy and can send, direct, shoot neg- negative energy out, e- either of its of its ends, um, based on black tourmaline's natural uh, quartz configuration. But the sugar light can literally be placed in water and draw out impurities. Um, it's a trick even for disasters disaster areas or, or, or areas prone to natu- natural disasters like New Orleans, um, where the, you know, one bad Katrina, one bad hurricane, hurricane and you happen to purify water, harvest water. So sugar light, even in camping, is, um, is a suggestion that, that people make for purifying water. So I support sugar light, not just in in water uh, consumption, but also um, in in general cleansing of energy. Period. In other crystals, people, places, and things. Um, clear quartz even has been uh, documented to have uh, a level effect on your water, but I strongly suggest polished quartz. Or, or natural quartz that has been undisturbed uh, and that you are clear about inclusion, that it's not um, included with other minerals that could then leak into your water. Also, um, I said polished first because uh, keeping a natural uh, quartz piece like this that is untouched, unpolished, this, this this is natural. This hasn't been buffed down. Um, it's just really clear, and, and that's why that, that light bounces off, gives that mirror effect. Uh, water would wear this down over time. Water would make this cloudy. Water would erode this just a little bit. Uh, every time you shook the container, every time there was a wave in there, that water... You know, water is one of the strongest elements for carving uh, 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 rock. So um, quartz is also uh, something that um, I put in in water uh, to consume ritually. I won't say or admit that I do it every day uh, and that I pass all my water through sugar light, uh, but I certainly pass uh, ritual water through, through sugar light, holy water through sugar light. For sure. Um, so I support sugar light. Sugar light is not that uh, common either. Uh, it, it's not the easiest thing to find. Uh, I think you can get it on Amazon sometimes in chunks just for purification of water, but they don't always have it. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Kiona, about about the chakras. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, my mouth is watering. My mouth gets dry. I get dehydrated. All of that, because because you're also exercising a certain amount of energy um, when you're talking about, thinking about, 
interacting with your stones. And I probably have, I don't know, 30 stones within four feet of me right now. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can feel and I can, I can sense that, uh, Kiona. Um, and I appreciate you, uh, your help. One more question about pending. Um, how do you know if a crystal is fake or real? Um, thank you for that. 707, um, California. I, I like that. I lived in California for 10 years. I totally understand. Um, type your question in all capital letters. Uh, thank you, Keona, for catching that for me. Um, and also, before I answer that, um, I want to be sure I'm not missing Block Talk Radio. Yeah, I still have several people with me in Block Talk Radio. If you have a question, a comment, or request, do type it in all capital letters um, in the chat. I just typed in a, all is a blessing to ensure that my chat is actually working. So I hope there's not a technical issue with the uh, with the Block Talk Radio chat. Um, if everything is fine in Block Talk Radio, please let me know. Um, anybody who's in Block Talk Radio chat, just put the number one in chat. If you can hear me and there's no problem with, with the chat box, I would certainly appreciate that you doing that for me. Um, Keona is already doing that for me um, in YouTube, as well as all my other viewers. If there was a problem in YouTube, you all would be letting me know. Okay, now 707, um, California. Um, yes, please, by all means, visit New Orleans. Come see the king and leader of New Orleans voodoo. Come have an authentic New Orleans experience. Come visit Our Sacred Stories, www.OurSacredStories.com. We give the best tours, the best guided tours, plus experience. You want more than a tour. You want more than storytelling. You want more than the favorite popular touristy places to go. You want our sacred stories. dot com. Uh, let's see. Um, it depends on the type of crystal. Now, quartz crystal has been faked as lead crystal for decades. So many people know what lead crystal is. Lead crystal is absolutely clear. Typically, has nothing in it in terms of inclusions, or it ha might have a bubble or some bubbles in it, which speak to it being, I hear a second line somewhere in Chime, um, which, which speaks to it being artificially, uh, artificially made. Um, often when you see a crystal ball, particularly a big one, it's lead crystal because a real authentic quartz crystal you know, this size would be extremely expensive in the thousands of dollars. Um, even a decent handheld crystal ball, authentic quartz, is going to be $400, $500, $600. if it has an inclusion in it, um, tiger eye, uh, not tiger eye, uh, black tourmaline, um, Phantom, this is, a, is an example of a phantom. I told you a phantom is like the rings of a tree where you'll see the growth of one crystal on the inside there, completely embedded in the stone. Look at it from 
down here from the from the bottom part. So you see where that is completely embedded within the stone, and then the clear on top grew over it. So that smoky or that snow-capped mountain, even its shape is completely embedded within the stone. That's why I said look at it from the bottom. Because the clearer part is not as easy for you to see in the camera. But it is cut completely different, cut and polished, completely different on the outside from what is on the inside. And that, that's, a, that's a real phantom. To my knowledge, phantoms cannot be faked. So getting quartz crystal that has an inclusion in it increases the likelihood that it's authentic and that it's not a fake. Uh, this has um, rutile, golden rutile in it. It has black and blue rutile in it, and it has black tourmaline in it. That can't be fake. That can't be done, made, or created in a lab. This is um, quartz, and it literally has caverns in it. It has whole crystals in it, double terminated, has the top and the bottom termination embedded in it, along with uh, the other mineral elements that give it that redness, that's hematite in it. And so that cannot be fake. That can't be made in the lab. So a clear piece like this could be cut from um, lead quartz, shaped, but then it's going to be completely clear. It's not going to have any galaxy in it. It's not going to have any white spots in it. It's not going to have any of that mirror refraction on the inside of the crystal. This up here, that can't be faked. And often when you look at it closely, you're going to see the shape of quartz. You're going to see the shape of other. Um, goodbye to my live broadcast listeners on Blog Talk Radio. If you're on the phone or in the live chat, you'll still be able to hear me until I end the show. It's too late to call in to the call-in number. So uh, otherwise, the rest of the Blog Talk Radio show is now going into archives. Um, so back to my question. Um, so that's going to be very hard to fake. Something like this cannot be faked. Now, what can be faked is smoky quartz, for instance. This quartz can be irradiated, can be uh, put through radiation, and it will darken it. And that can sometimes be sold as smoky quartz. So you have to look at your piece very carefully to um, clarify if it's smoky quartz. I have a real good example of a smoky quartz, too, but it's not its not an arm's reach, and I'm not prepared to get up right down and go find it. But it's divided right down the middle from the inside, both smoky and clear quartz, um, with its dimension still attached with this angle still attached. So you know that that's something that cannot be faked. Um, even the clearest of quartz 
this will be considered pretty clear. But it's got wisps of smoke, clouds, uh, that red at the bottom. That's hematite. That can't be cloned or, or, or faked. Um, topaz, citron. Citron can be faked. A weak piece of amethyst, and I say this is weak because it's not as purple as this head wrap. It's not as purple as, as what's in this in this garment or this, this outfit. So typically a piece like this would either be sold as is. Some people want faded amethyst or lavender amethyst, particularly in a small piece like this. Or they will irradiate this and it'll turn lighter in color, even almost yellow. And so citron can be faked, can be, can be masqueraded. Citron should have a rich color, just like this. Now, this is not citron. This is uh, scapolite, but they share a similar color, just not a similar mathematical design. Uh, you can see by the roundness and how this is shaped. Scapolite does not grow like quartz crystal at all. I'm just using it as a demonstration of color. Um, so scapolite can be fake. Uh, this would be um, an example of smoky quartz, of a piece of clear quartz that could be heated or, or irradiated to force it to be darker, to make it darker. And you might ask, well, why would they want to do that? Um, sometimes it's too much going on inside the clear court. Maybe it's too cloudy. Maybe the entire piece is as cloudy as just the top part of this is. And so on face value, on look, it's not aesthetically pleasing to the average store buyer who doesn't know anything about court. This is natural smoking. There was no reason to smoke this as a as a skull head in its original condition. So so it's 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 not faked. Um, hematite is often faked. This is natural polished hematite, real hematite. It has some roughness on it, if you can see, and and if you can. See, clearly there's a, a darker and a redder hue to it because the real color of this hematite is red. So when you scrape hematite across the sidewalk, across the plate, it's going to leave a red hue to it. If you could see this, and I don't have a camera strong enough to pull this in, but look at it even on its surface, it's got movement in it in terms of the color. It's not uniformly gray all throughout. There's some red spots, there's some swirls where it gets lighter, where it gets darker. Fake hematite is going to be evenly metallic all the way around. Also, if you're talking about hematite that is, uh, that is magnetized, that's fake all the way around. There is no real magnetized hematite in nature. So any hematite that's magnetized is fake. It's made from a cheaper mineral that can be polished to mimic hematite, um, and then the magnetism is added to it. It's attached to it. 
through, through, a, through a scientific process. Uh, so hematite can be fake. Jade is often fake. Now, jade can be imperial jade, real jade, a, a, a rich jade. There's also what's called nephrite, which has a lighter color to it. It kind of mimics aventrine, if you know what aventrine is, uh, except aventrine sometimes can have whiteness to it, even a sparkly effect to it. Uh, but ne nephrite is a green form of jade, lesser form of jade that's often carved into stuff. But but imperial or real jade is, is often going to be smooth, almost translucent. Um, if I could get this in better lighting, uh, you can see through this through this jade much like you would crystal. Um, and so, if the light is not passing through the nephrite, I mean, it, it, then it's probably ne I mean through the jade, then it's probably nephrite or a green mineral that that's not quite jade at all um, and so other minerals other green minerals can be passed off as jade if you are if you are unaware it's your colored stones that give you the problem um, a common stone that's used for faking is howlite um, and i don't have any howlite because i don't like fake stones and I, I and i don't keep fake stones even as an example i don't keep fake stones around um because they didn't have all that man's energy attached to them. Howlite, if you can Google that, H-O-W-E-L-I-T-E, -E, is often white, chalky, and then it's broken up. It has veins, you know, uh, in terms of color, black spots all over it, almost like um, turquoise, but it's white with the dark spots. But the thing with howlite is it's faked a lot. So it's dyed purple, it's dyed green, it's dyed lavender, it's dyed blue. And so you can, for instance, buy a bag of rocks and it'll be full of fake howlite stones with a few rough tumbled agate um, quartz in it. Um, so I stay away from howlite. Howlite has its purpose, all dense, Earthy stones have its purpose, but howlite does not vibrate like quartz. Um, another, um, once upon a time, was a very common um, uh, mineral was alabaster, uh, which is primarily white or creamy in color, uh, vanilla in color, and things would be shaped, molded, created from alabaster. Ancient Egyptians loved alabaster, and and like things that are white. Things that we offer, Obatala, Dambala, white spirits, we attach a sense of purity to, to it because it's white. But alabaster has a more earthy, clay-like, um, petrified mud-like energy about it. Um, it's an ancient mineral. It's a building block mineral um, in that regard. Um, but we don't attach a great deal of high-frequency work to denser stones. We attach high-frequency prosperity to jade because of its crystalline properties, its ability to form an even crystallized structure, just like this piece of quartz, 
except it's green and transparent. Um, another stone that we give that degree of power is um, ruby, translucent ruby. Now, now, you have these Burmese rubies that aren't quite, you can't see through them. They have bits of marcasite and other minerals in them, but they're still a ruby, and they tend to be redder and deeper in color. So to the average uh, buyer who's buying jewelry with a sort of sales, K, commercial-like, you know, mentality, they're going for color, richness of color, clarity. And those are often your higher, more expensive stones, your gemstones, but they're also easier to fake. Um, so once you start bringing in color, you got to double check that uh, for fakeness. Um, th there should be some kind of inclusion. So that should be um, looked for in, in, in figuring out 707, um, what's real or, or not real about, about your stones. Um, this is moss agate. Moss agate. Now, moss agate typically looks like, you know, greenery, Spanish moss, vine trapped in, in the crystal. Um, so that's hard to fake. It doesn't show up well on camera, but that's hard to fake. Um, but your clear stones and your clear stones with added color your hematites can be faked. Pearls can be faked. Rose quartz is not fake because rose quartz, like quartz, is available in abundance. The thing about rose quartz is quality, not whether it's fake or not, but quality. The paler, the pink, the, the cheaper the quality. The harder it is to see through, the, the rose quartz, the cheaper the quality. Um, lapis lazuli is sometimes faked, um, which if you know what lapis is, it can't be faked. It's blue. It's rich. It has some different tones in it, and it has specks of pyrite or gold or, or other gold-like minerals embedded in it. That cannot be faked. If you have a piece of blue, it's being sold as lapis. It's a deep blue. Um, it has that diversity of pattern, uh, but there's no flex in it. It's probably sodalite. Sodalite. S-O-D-A-L-I-T-E. Sodalite. So those minerals can be faked. Um, Black obsidian can be faked or misrepresented. Onyx can be faked or misrepresented. So the skull that I held up on camera yesterday is uh, onyx. I've had several uh, ceremonies in the house. I've moved a lot of my pieces towards the front in the last couple of days. Uh, your black obsidian should have golden sheen or silver sheen, which cannot be faked. Um, it's going to have a bull's eye in it, a green, uh, purple, or lavender color in it. It's going to have some resonance to it. Uh, there's there are there's very limited amount of black obsidian that's not going to have um, diversity in it. 
Some of it's going to be clearer than others. So some black obsidian you can you can see through. It's volcanic glass. Um, it's not a mineral per se. Onyx is black, shiny, and extremely dense. It's heavier than black obsidian. Light is not going to pass through it regardless. Um, and so sometimes onyx is misrepresented as black obsidian and and vice versa. So so look for the inclusions in your black stone. I'm going to finish this up. Um, so please give me um, your questions, your comments, your requests. Um, yes, Kiona, I'm still live in the chat. So chat should be rolling uh, on both Blog Talk Radio and YouTube Live. Uh, also, um, if people are in chat on Blog Talk Radio, or on the phone, yeah, they're still there. I can still see them on the switchboard, and I can still see them in the chat. What I didn't get was a number one in the Blog Talk Radio chat from any of my listeners, a bow number two or or Creole girl or um, Pharaoh. I, and, you know, somebody let me know that you can actually hear me in the Blog Talk Radio Otherwise, I'm going to assume because you're still there that things are rolling. But as far as I know, Kiona, um, the live chat is still moving forward. Um, Kazia Kalur just um, typed a thank you. So, so I'm going to take that as um, it's it's moving forward. Yahweh Light is a very common, cheaper stone. Um, and when I mean cheap, like under $5. You should never pay for anything with Howlite in it for more than $5 unless it's set in silver and gold and it's really good, <laughs> okay? Howlite is very cheap, very abundant. Um, am I missing any other questions before I, I end the show? I don't want to run out on anybody. Um, thank you so much. Um, oh, Kiona type. Thank you, at you. My, my apology. Um, you're still waiting on the answer to which question? What question am I not answering? I answered if, uh, what am I not answering? What question am I not answering? Has the chat, Keona, has the chat frozen to stop? Because I'm not, I'm not seeing seeing it. How far back do I need to go? Greetings, Imani Sankofa. I didn't see you at first either. Please understand that the chat keeps rolling, keeps moving, so... And then I start talking and I turn away. And so I don't always see. Someone asked about the origin of Creole. Okay, what's the most paranormal thing that I've experienced with my own eyes? 
Marcus, I'm going to answer that as soon as I figure out this Creole question. Ancestry question on Creole origin was raised, has roots in Louisiana, and is asking. Okay, but I'm not understanding what is being asked. Please forgive me, um, listeners, because you don't see that I'm actually looking. People on YouTube can see me looking and scrolling, but um, I'm not seeing a question. I'm not seeing that as a question. Keona, I'm seeing your response to it, so I'm not clear on what the question actually is. Okay, I'm trying to get more into my ancestry on spiritual path and wanted to know if you had any knowledge to share on Creole origin. Okay, um, Creole, first of all, has been greatly misrepresented as being something that is entirely French, and that's not the case. There's French Creole, there's Spanish Creole, there's Portuguese Creole. So Creole um, is a very loaded, racially charged word. Um, Depending on who you ask, it's glamorized. Depending on who you ask, it's a a tool of segregation. Um, Depending on who you ask, it's a word that represents gumbo or mix. So some will say that Creole is black or African mixed with white. Some would say it's it's black or African mixed with ethnic white, which is why we say Spanish or French or Portuguese. Uh, When we think of Creole cultures, we know Creole culture exists in Louisiana. We know Creole culture exists on the coast of West Africa. Many of you don't know that. Creole coast. A Creole culture exists in uh, Central America. Uh, Honduras, for instance, is considered Creole culture. So Creole is black or African from an ethnic perspective intermixed with uh, European blood from an ethnic perspective. Because when we think about what Creole is, then we start talking about food, spices, Um, a way of doing things, living things uh, different from or or separately from the other people of color within that environment. So so we know that the Creole environment here in Louisiana first spoke Spanish because this was a Spanish territory, then spoke French, then it was a Spanish territory again, and then, then went back to French, and then French, you know, had a longer um, duration in terms of how it shows up and manifests as Creole culture. We also interpret as Americans and often as African Americans Creole as as mixed race. Um, now we have the term biracial. Um, so what makes the difference between biracial, black and white, and Creole? Um, many would say it's culture, it's tradition, it's practice, it's language. Um, There's a Creole language that is derived from French and Spanish, um, depending on geographically um, 
where the Creole and Portuguese, where the, the Creole is being represented from. Um, Brazilians, we, we say Brazilian culture. Some would say that that's Creole culture. Um, so Creole is, is a very loaded political word. Uh, if you're talking about ancestry as it relates to Louisiana, um, then, then, yeah, you're going to look at time period, um, genetic makeup, um, because, again, we have that Spanish representation here and also the uh, French representation. I've done my ancestry DNA. I have no French representation at all. Um, I do have uh, Western European representation um, and may have Spanish representation um, only in that we now associate indigenous Americans south of the border um, as somehow Hispanic, though they don't all have Hispanic blood. Uh, my, my DNA did not show up blood from Spain. My, my blood hails from Western U.S., Mexico, Central America. Um, so Creole is really specific to these colonized regions of the world that were exposed to colonizers where the African people then amalgamated to some degree that culture, that practice, that tradition. There's a great deal of uh, birthright um, that plays out in this, in that often, particularly in days of old, uh, it was a serious violation uh, culturally to marry outside Creole, to marry darker, to uh, not maintain, you know, the, the Creole tradition with, within the bloodline. Um, that has changed to some degree. So you now have dark Creole and darker-skinned people with Creole-like features and, and, and um, cultural nuances um, hailing from uh, Louisiana and the Delta region, uh, because it does extend to some degree into Mississippi. Uh, even the, the town that my family uh, founded and, and, and still lives in today um, has that French Creole name, uh, Louise, Mississippi. So it's more a cultural phenomenon, I, I believe, um, in terms of ethnic footprint. I think when, you, when you're doing your ancestry test, you're going to be looking for that French, um, Spanish uh, footprint, and, and particularly from a Creole cultural region of the world. So that would be, you know, uh, those, those islands off, off the uh, west coast of, of Africa, that would be uh, regions of the Caribbean, that would be Louisiana. I hope I was able to, to address your question uh, before, I, before I move forward, and I really do need to move forward. Um, we've done a two-and-a-half-hour show today. Um, Blog Talk Radio, I appreciate you for staying there with me. Uh, for staying on the phone lines, for even being present uh, in the live chat. Uh, I invite you in future shows to please type your 
questions or comments in the live chat so that they can be uh, read out loud and responded to out loud and so that I, I get a sense that I'm not excluding you um, in terms of active participation in the show. And, of course, I am grateful and thankful for my continued viewership in the YouTube live platform uh, since 2007. Uh, I greatly appreciate you. This is, however, my first season of doing the live uh, broadcast with YouTube Live, uh, but I certainly appreciate the support um, and the continued listenership and viewership. Uh, what, what is the question? I don't see the question, Keona, unless it is you. I mean, just, just type the question in, and I'll be happy to um, respond to it. Otherwise, I'm getting a little dehydrated. My cup is, is empty, and I need to take a break. Uh, what's the last question? Oh, right. Marcus asked um, a question. The most paranormal thing that I've experienced, oh, wow. Hoo-wee. I've experienced many paranormal things. Um, it, would hard, it would be hard to say the most. Um, I would say that I have probably had more paranormal experiences than the average person. Not just because I'm a practitioner. So you would assume that because I'm a practitioner, stuff happens. People come to me. Um, I actually have done some video um, performances on TV, reality TV, um, where paranormal things have sort of happened uh, in the midst of, of the taping. Um, so I have had more than my share. Um, but to say what has been the most paranormal um, might require me to tell more than one answer. One of the most paranormal things that I experienced was in California. I was in Los Angeles. The year was 1991. Um, we had just celebrated the new decade, 1990. Um, I was homeless at the time, and I was staying in the shelter, Skid Row, downtown L.A. Um, some of you who know L.A. know of the Wine Garden. It's a huge high-rise building on that same block, same side of the street, um, maybe the next block over. There's another mission, and then further down is the L.A. mission. So this place sits right in the middle. And at the time, I don't even know if it's still there, it was considered transitional housing. So you had to be working or building a plan towards something more long-term. And, and if that wasn't the case, then, then the other people were, you know, were going into other long-term um, um, situations, like people with rehab and people with legal obligations were going in, in, in another direction. So it was a transitional house, and it had dorm areas, shared dorm areas. And so it's before dinner, and I'm not wanting to be in the communal room with all the people and all the conversation and, and all the, the drama. Um, I stayed off in the sleeping area, and I'm lying flat on my back in the bed, and I had just bought this double-terminated, Amethyst, 
polished. It was completely polished, um, and it had a bigger point on one end and a smaller point on the other end. It was tapered. Uh, it was a wine. It would it would qualify as a as a wine. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, it had more than six sides. Even though it was amethyst, it was sort of cut and polished, um, much like a fluorite. So it had more than six sides all the way around. And it was really unique. Um, and as I often am when I buy first buy a crystal, you know, I, I don't let go of it. I hold on to it. If I haven't had a chance to make a, a bag or a pouch for it, I keep it in my pocket, keep it in my clothes carry it with me everywhere I go for at least, you know, 30 to 90 days. I had had this stone maybe a few days. Um, I dropped it, and it severed right down the middle. It, it broke off evenly. So there was a small piece to it and a larger piece to it. And I continued to work with both pieces, but then gifted the smaller piece to a friend of mine. Uh, a girlfriend of mine who was from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, Precious Shea was her name. Um, and we hung out uh, and we kicked it while I was going through this transition. Um, we had the most resources. We were the cleanest. We were the most put together. Uh, we were young. She was even younger than me. Um, we were a little bit foolish about where we were and, and the conditions that we were in. Um, so we were just having a good time. And I gave her the smaller piece. Now, go back to me being in in the shelter. So she's at her place. She's got her crystal. It's, it's wherever she's put it up. I'm now laying on my back, waiting on this dinner to happen, not wanting to go to sleep, you know, and miss it or be in a long line. Um, but you're in that dream state. Sometimes you, you enter this when you wake up in the morning, and it's, and it's not a, a day where you have an appointment or, or you got to punch a clock or you got to be anywhere right away. So you lay there, and you just kind of allow your body to sort of feel itself. You don't open your eyes. You're not talking. You, you're just in that, that, that floating state. That's where I was. So I'm in this state. I'm laid on my bunk. I can hear the people around me. And just like with meditation, as you center yourself, as you go within, the sounds around you sort of go quiet to some degree. You're not picking apart every word, every conversation, every detail of what you hear. And it fades into the background. So I'm in this cloudy space now that I refer to as the mist, M-I-S-T. So, Marcus, I'm in the mist. My eyes are closing. I'm aware of the time because I know dinner is coming. I know it's at least, you know, 50 people in this place. I don't want to be in the back of the line. So I'm just kind of floating, and I'm not allowing myself to go into a deep sleep. But you're kind of tuning in and out. And in this one point, I went deep. I mean, I went deep. My Breathing was, was deep, but had slowed down. And I could feel my body sinking, not my body, but my inner body sinking in. I'm almost recreating that feeling right now. And lifting out. And I'm just floating now. 
and, and, and I had been doing a series of meditations leading up to this, not with that particular crystal itself, but with other remarkable, remarkably clear pieces and double terminated, terminated pieces. And so I was doing, you know, going these meditations, guided meditations, where, for instance, you're going into the sky or you're going into outer space or you're shrinking yourself down and you're going in your body. These are the type of mental third eye crystal meditation exercises that I was doing at the time. Some of them I was getting out of books. Some of them spirit was guiding me to do, and I was documenting them. So I had already practiced this a little bit. So I went deep, deeper than usual, Um, not sleep, but deeper than usual, I know that I'm now in the zone and I'm floating. And, I'll, and I'm assuming I'm in sky or in darkness or, or, or in sacred space. My eyes haven't opened and I'm not focused inward on anything in particular. I'm just floating. And then I hear conversation, but the conversation is not in English. Um, I'm the guy who's great at um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, quizzes that have more than one answer, um, multiple answer uh, tests. You know, is it A, B, C, or D? Um, and I'm able to deduce what makes sense, what's logical, even if I don't know what what the real answer is. Uh, what's plausible? Which answer has a word in it? that I know that doesn't fit the scenario. So I'm not hearing English. I'm not hearing any language on earth. It, it ain't German. It ain't Yugoslavian. It ain't Arabic. It ain't Vietnamese. It ain't Chinese. Um, my mind is able to process in seconds everything I think I've ever heard. I knew this was not English. But what is this? And so now I'm waking up to some degree. And my eyes are still closed, and I'm still hearing the conversation, but almost as if in a response to me, as if my thoughts have been passed through some sort of technology. Now the conversation is self-interpreting in English, almost like that little girl in the commercial that's on right now who's using technology to talk to the reindeer. Do you fly? You know, do you get gifts? You know, she's a little precocious little girl. Almost like that kind of technology. But I knew it wasn't Earth. It was some sort of alien technology that I was now hearing that same conversation, but I'm now hearing it in I'm now hearing it in um, in English. All right, forgive me. So now the conversation is being translated in English. And now I know I'm not on earth. Now I know I'm in 
a spaceship, a spacecraft. And I open my eyes, and I can see where this long, I want to call it oval, almost egg-shaped like table. It even had a slight curvature to the middle. So there was no ink pads, no pencils, no, no earth technology at all. And I could see the aliens sitting around me, looking and having this discussion. And apparently I was something of an important. I was not in a threatening environment. I wasn't being interrogated. Um, I, I believe I had been singled out for something. It may be because of the technology that I was tapping, that I was accessing, that I was uh, practicing with in my own quote-unquote spiritual thing um, and had opened up this portal, this gateway, to, to, to a dimensional space that I had never traversed before. Um, and, and it was real. This wasn't a dream. This wasn't a vision. I had, what do you call it, the, the close encounters of the fourth kind? I think it's the fourth kind when you've been transported uh, or on a ship. It's either the fourth or the fifth kind. I'm not sure. But the reaction to my body was visceral. As it would be if you saw something like that that you had never seen before that you couldn't even envision that society says is imagination or it's not real, um, your, your immediate response is that, am I under threat? Is this threatening? They can harm me, for God's sake. They've taken me out of my, out of my location to another place. Your, your immediate fear is they can hurt me. They could do something um, to you. And so just like that dream that you have, Marcus, when you're floating and you're out of the body, and sometimes you don't even remember when you wake up where you were, what happened, what was going on. All you remember is slamming back into your body and waking up with, with, with that cold chill and, and, and that sense of, you know, something really, really odd has taken place. And that was how I responded. I mean, I, they literally threw me back into my body. Or through this alien technology, I was able to, by my sheer will, force myself, like I dream a genie or something, to be back in my safe zone, free of that. And I immediately regretted it in the moment, because I've never been able to get that back again. Um, I, I, I even deduced that there was some fear element attached to it as well with them. Because as I said, I felt like I was maybe a guest based on the seating and the positioning of the seating. I was still under observation, clearly. Um, but I, I, did, I wasn't being experimented on. And I believe that they gifted me something. Um, not that I didn't have spiritual gifts before. Not that I didn't do readings in, in kindergarten. Um, not that I wasn't trying to do tarot cards in the fourth grade. Not that I wasn't trying to do automated writing in, in the fifth grade. Um, they gifted me something that I've never been able to explain um, as it relates to my ability to tap certain frequencies and certain energies and certain trance-like um, states relatively easily. I can go in and come out 
relatively easily. Uh, and I can go extremely deep in a way that I don't believe I could before 1991. Um, it was one of the most real and most terrifying spiritual experiences I've ever had. Um, they may have even responded to me, the, the initial breaking of the crystal or, or dropping of that, that amethyst in some way. So, so there's more to this story. So dinner happens. I end up going outside. Uh, I think to smoke some weed or something and end up hooking up with this girl, Charnay, and end up staying with her, giving up my bed, going to her, what was called SOR, single room occupancy. So it's a huge room, you know, with maybe a sink, you know, in a microwave and then a shared public space, shared bathroom. So I went and, and, and stayed with her. And I'm on the floor in a pallet, sleep. She, like many people are at 18, 19, 20, 21, constantly on the phone, just wouldn't get off the phone. And I'm asleep. And I'm kind of going in and out of that, that space, but I'm in this deep sleep, and now it's a dream. At least I'm thinking it's a dream. And I'm in heaven. And I'm walking on this sidewalk. Sidewalk is almost like this, except it's just as wide uh, throughout, with, without that narrow that narrowing in front. It, 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 it's about that narrow and that thick. From where I'm standing, all the way ahead of me, which which could have easily been six or seven miles, at least in my human vision. Um, and then there's nothing else out here but clouds. And I'm walking this crystal sidewalk, and it's thick, clear quartz crystal. And suddenly to this side of me appears a course. And there's six people in the course sort of floating. And you see them from, like, the upper body up, and they're human, nothing extraordinary, and they were multi-race. Black, white, Asian, various races were represented in these six people. Um, so it didn't stand out to me as unusual at first, other than that where I am and what's happened. Uh, I could see from the waist down, legs, all, all that is clouds, mist, you know, atmosphere. Um, to the right now opens up. And there's a depot, like you're getting off a train. And there's a, a gateway there, like going into Six Flags or something, you know, with more than one slot for people to sort of walk through. And there's no one there. There's no line. There's, there's no people passing through. But my mom is there, who is still very much living, by the way, as of 2.45 p.m., uh, December 16th, my mom is, is, is very much alive. Um, get thanks to the ancestors. But she's in this dream, and she's in the depot, and she has on sort of a summer dress, which if you know my mom, my mom don't dress like that. My mom's an evangelical Christian, um, sort of on the conservative side, um, 
maybe even a little bit on the bougie side. Uh, so my mom wouldn't be wearing this floral print sundress with this sort of huge floppy hat like, like you're going to Hawaii or Jamaica. But clearly she was headed somewhere, and she was waiting to receive me. But in that moment, it was clear to me that I was seeing into the future. And I began asking questions even in my head, like it was in the future. So where's uh, my brothers, my sisters, my dad, the rest of my family? Is she going to heaven? Is she going somewhere else? Where are we going? And, And then why is it just you and I? Why isn't anyone else in this space? And to this side of me, one person, a black woman, moves out from the court and, and sort of comes to the front and, and, and steps out here. And, hey, how you doing? She waves, and she says, take care of my baby. And she says, you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. And all I could hear myself saying, because I could hear myself trying to talk now. I could feel myself, even in this deep dream state, trying to talk. But it's so clear. But it's so narrow. But it's so far. And she she just kept saying, baby, just keep going. You're doing the right thing. Just keep going. Now, this message comes from this woman, not my mom. And, and this Mountain. It was a mountain of crystal that exists inside one of the crystals that I mentioned earlier in the story that I had been doing this intense meditation with. So this crystal, double terminated crystal, had a mountain in it, still have it to this day. And that mountain exists in another dimensional time space. And for people who have a Christian background or a biblical background, you may have heard this this. Uh, this language or this phraseology uh, that was attributed to the Christ who said, in my house, there are many mansions. And so this mountain appeared like a mountain, but it felt like a mansion. And the fact that they were standing here or hovering here, and my mom was over here in this depot, suggested many locations, many destinations, but I was implored to stay on the path, stay on the path. I also believe, and particularly now that I think about it, that if it did have something to do with heaven or hell or, or destination or, 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 or destiny beyond this life, um, my mom being in the sundress in the depot also suggested something a little bit uh, philosophical or even religious connotation. And I think for me it suggested let your mom do her religion, do her belief, follow her understanding. You stay on the crystal path. So anyone who's known me (laughs) since a child uh, and even since the the 80s when I was in California uh, 91, I've only grown from that. I've only evolved from that. I've stayed on, on the crystal path. So she maneuvers back into the court, and my focus now is on my mother. And, and should I be getting off the of depot, or, or should I be continuing on? 
And, of course, I, I continue on because there's nothing, there's nothing out here. And I woke up. When I woke up, Charnay said that um, you'll have to forgive me. I'm live on air right now. I'm doing Blog Talk Radio and YouTube Live. Oh, wow. Okay. So anything, anything you say right now, everybody who's listening to me can hear you. Um, so okay, cool. I'm going to call you back um, after the show. Okay, thank you. All right, peace. All right, peace. Hang up for me. <clears throat> so um, it also suggested to me that I indeed was on the right path, that I was on the journey that was for me to be on. I was uh, taking the, the, the instructions as it was presented to me. Um, and so that would be, um, I guess, two. Uh, one has a clearly alien dimension to it. Uh, I, I believe wholeheartedly I had an alien abductive experience. And then the other um, is in that realm of spirit. Um, I believe I saw heaven. I believe I saw access to it, the doorway into it, one of the three of the portal ways or access ways into something that's very tangible, very real. Um, I've also found over the years that people often think and mistake um, voodoo as being something really, really extreme from what Christianity talks about or what Islam talks about. And the idea of God or the devil, heaven and hell, and indeed these forces, these powers, these locations exist in the realm of Buddha. They're just not talked about or expressed in common language. Um, and, and for those who are actively participating in many of these traditions, they're speaking languages that are foreign to the Western audience, the, the English ear the French ear. Um, so we don't hear about these stories and, and these manifestations as much as we do, you know, the magic money boxes and putting curses and roots and, and hexes on people. Um, hexes and curses and roots, by the way, that very rarely do we get any kind of real detail and or explanation or conversation about. So those would be two of the most paranormal experiences I had. And I'm going to give one more, and then I'm going uh, to let this go at 3 o'clock at the top of the hour. Now I am younger. I was forced to leave home at a very young age. You, you may have already heard me tell the story or certain aspects of that story. Um, so I'm going back and forth to Chicago. Um, I'm trying to remember. I want to say I was probably 18 or 19. No, no, no. I was 17 or 18 when this happened because this was before I went to California. Um, I'm in Chicago. I get hooked up in this church. Um, one of my first cousins marries this preacher man, a very well-known preacher man too, by the way, so I'm not going to call his name. Um, they ultimately divorce. Um, so, I'm in Chicago visiting them, and I hook up with this other evangelist who's not much older than us. 
And she lives in Milwaukee. So we, we're in Milwaukee, and, you know, we're visiting her house, and we're visiting other locations, and we're seeing people, and we're doing the evangelical thing. And me and some other young men, brothers my age, we just hanging out, smoking herbs, kicking it, um, and we decide we want to investigate a haunted house. Now, this is not very far from Jeffrey Dahmer, where he lived and where he committed his atrocities in that apartment building in, in Milwaukee. But this predates that. Um, in fact, now that I think about it, Jeffrey Dahmer would have been active in that area during this time. And so this abandoned house, old abandoned house, was in his neighborhood. And we decided we're going to play around and go investigate the haunted house. And we're in the house, and, you know, we're laughing and giggling and and walking around, and I'm trying to explain to them that there's presence here, that there's energy here, and, and what I can see and what I can feel and, and, and what's, you know, trying to be communicated to me, when all of a sudden wood boards in this place started moving. And I say wood boards in meaning plural, from the left, the right, the front, the back, just from one location to another without any movement, without any trickery, it's not like one of the guys left the group and decided, you know, let's do something something funny, and we left from that pace like we were running for our lives. So um, that's just three of the paranormal experiences I have personally had. Um, I'm not sure if my sister Wapani is, is still in the room. Um, we had paranormal paranormal experiences at two, three, four, and five years old, uh, we could rock ourselves into a trance, into a meditative trance at two, three, four, five, six years old, and consciously be aware that we were astral traveling. And not just singularly, but together. We could end up in the same location. Go to We would like to go to the other side of the world, and so we would play with the Chinese kids. For some reason, we that was a big thing, playing with the Asian kids and, and coming back. Um, even now, I remember playing with Asian kids at very sacred sites. And, and, and the site was never the focus of these journeys, but, but the location, the backdrop, what, what we could see in the background spoke of these Buddhist temples, these Hindu temples, these sacred location. So these indeed two were children who were spiritually gifted, who were who were called essentially that we were able to astral travel as young as kindergarten together, uh, me in one chair and she on the other, and, and we'd go into this meditation, you know, w- whatever music in the background, and could visit the same place and have that sort of unified experience. So that's four paranormal experiences um, from three uh, up until my adulthood. Um, and some of the more scarier, aggressive paranormal experiences that I have and witnessed um, are the more recent ones. Um, Jen, 
demons, people manipulating um, spiritual practice, spiritual science, spiritual arts uh, for their own greed, for their own wants and needs, um, ignorantly, um, un- uneducatedly, um, without any real guidance. Um, I've seen some stuff that'll make the hair stand up on you. Um, recently, we've seen people die. Um, after certain words have been said, after certain words have been exchanged, um, you don't always have to stick pins in a dot in a doll. You don't always have to consecrate a chicken and be at the crossroads in order to speak blessings or curses, both on yourself but also on onto others um, and, and into the lives of yourself and others. So those are some of the more extreme paranormal experiences. Um, My life is paranormal. Um, Just the idea of hearing from the dead, hearing from people's ancestors, going in and out of people's destiny and and people's life paths um, requires almost living in the the paranormal realm 24 hours a day. I've watched a lot of these paranormal shows on TV, um, on Discovery Channel, Travel Channel, History Channel, um, you know, cable TV, and I've always thought, you know, what would I say, what would I do, uh, can I indeed see myself there? So I'm, I'm leaking right now just a little bit. Um, I, I've already filmed the Travel Channel. That's already in the can. So 2020, I will be doing something paranormal on the Travel Channel. Uh, and I will also be on Nat Geo, National Geographic, again, doing something paranormal, historic, archaeologically relevant as it relates to who we are and these practices and these traditions. I am indeed grateful and honored for your time, your patience, um, your questions, your active participation. Uh, for my beloved sister, Wapani, uh, being here to sort of stir the pot a little bit, and, and throw some questions out there for me. I'm grateful for the dozen or so people who are still listening on the Vault Talk Radio archive. Also for the people who hung in there with me in chat um, in Vault Talk Radio, I'm grateful for you. Um, our three hours is a long time to spend with someone and, that you don't think about, that you don't care about, that you don't resonate with. That's not sharing something that is of interest to you. So I take great humility. I, I take great respect um, in in the fact that you all show up to be present here at high noon. You have such a standard time with me to do revolutionary voodoo, New Orleans voodoo secrets and recipes with me. There are a number of things you could be doing in the middle of your day. So the, the dozens of, of people who show up, the scores of people. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.